the geek shall inherit the earth. That's the that's the base. That, I mean, that's the the main part. And then that's amazing. This comes out. That's like a normal mask with a filter and stuff. But yeah, I'll I'll, I'll show it to you when it's all sanded and painted and yeah, not because I've got all the little tubes and stuff as well that have been printed. Oh, oh look at that! Look so, at that's amazing. That is that's yeah, amazing. Got cool. Things. So I obviously know loads about you because we are friends. But for for those who are listening or who are are listening on the radio, just tell everybody a little bit about you, a little bit about um, about about what you do and uh, and kind of give people an insight into into you, into who you are. So so, so what you do in terms of your 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 artistry. I'm an artist. (laughs) You're not just an artist, though, are you? That's downplaying it massively. Yeah. Okay. so. Um, I'm, I'm an old school artist. I started, uh, I've always been a big, uh, Marvel comics fan. Um, I used to work for Marvel comics in Spain when I was about 16, you know, we used to do all the trans translate all the American comic books in Spanish. And I, I was basically involved with all the, the lettering, translating and all that, all that kind of fun stuff. And it gave me an insight into, you know, what a bullpen was like. And there's a lot of excitement there, you know? I was also the uh, the founder of uh, Spain's first uh, fanzine dedicated to um, superheroes, which uh, was, it, I was only fourteen years old when I when I did it as well. You know, I was just a kid, but I was so in love with Marvel comics. You know, and my friends were as well. I was like, why don't we just do a fanzine? You know, and um, I mean, this was back in nineteen eighty four, and you know, even though Frank had been dead for quite a few years, it was still quite a fascist country, and for some reason, people that you know, Frank, Franco was dead. It wasn't fascist anymore, but there were a lot of fascists out there. Yeah. And for some reason, anything American was considered fascist. Don't ask me why. I, you know, whatever. You know, like Captain America, for example, any guy that would wrap himself up in a flag was considered a, fla- a fascist. So we had all that to deal with when, when we were kids. But anyway, moving on, um, I, I turned that into a career, basically. Uh, I, I started when I was about 16, I started working for, for Marvel in Spain. I set up my own studio at home, you know, you know, I was doing all my, my lettering and translating and and whatnot. And then in in ninety two I moved to the UK. I was literally down to my last tenor. You know, I just I was like, I'm gonna have to sign the doll. My uncle was there, he was you know, he was in the military and he says, Oh, why don't you join the the, the, the TA and stuff? And I and I nearly did, man. I nearly did. And then I just got this phone call from the editor of uh, Marvel UK, editor-in-chief, and he offered me a job. So I got a job there as a, as a graphic designer to start off with for like two weeks. And then 
just randomly one day in the pub, uh, my boss asked me, he said, uh, do you know, do you know any, um, any talent, any, any artists? Because at, at that point, Marvel, Marvel UK had only been, they'd literally for years been reprinting American stuff. Yeah. And then I did Spider-Man and Doctor Who and all this other stuff. And um, they had uh, taken on this, uh, this guy, um, but they, they came up with this character, Death's Head. And it was a, a massive hit. And it was the first time, I think anyway, that Marvel UK had actually come with a character that was such a big hit in the States. So the New York office was basically throwing tons of money at, uh, at Marvel UK. You know, we, we were like literally, you know, the golden goose. So um, they were looking for, they were expanding, you know, they're creating their own, their own titles and stuff, but there was just a limit to the amount of artists out there that, that could uh, do the work or, or whatever. So my boss, uh, Paul Neary, the editor-in-chief of uh, Marvel UK at the time, um, he asked me, uh, you know, do you know anyone? Well, first off, he asked me if I could draw comics. <laughs> and I shamefully had to say no, because I don't. And I could have, but when I was a kid, my dad told me there was no money in comics and I was never going to make it. Something to you to, yeah. Yeah. And then it just ironic that six years later, you know, I got a job Marvel Comics. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I said, yeah, no, I do. I, I know I know quite a few artists in Spain, you know, because at that time it was, uh, it was an un- untapped gold mine. You know, there were loads of artists that I knew that were just literally, you know, just doing bits here and there, like a cover for um, Spanish, uh, the Spanish versions of uh, Marvel comics and stuff, but nothing really serious. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that all of a sudden I, I kind of had this weird job title, unofficial job title. I was a talent hunter, basically. It, it was it was cool. It was cool because you know they'd pay for all my stuff and I could fly backwards and forwards from London to Barcelona and have all my expenses paid. And you know, on top of that, I got you know commission and blah blah blah. But at the same time, it was also the worst thing that ever happened to me because I was so young and stupid and didn't save up, you know, could have, yeah. didn't think of the future, party, 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 you know. Anyway, I, I, I just, I think I got them, I got Marvel UK about 15 artists signed up. Nice. And uh, the, the biggest names that I signed up were uh, Ramon Rosanas, who um, used to draw Ant-Man, and then I think he did some Deadpool stuff as well. And then he did um, Captain Marvel. Oh. Marvel. Yeah, sorry. My brain is it's not. Yeah, Captain Marvel. And Pascal Ferry. I mean, the list of stuff that he's done is just... Phenomenal. Yeah, yeah phenomenal. So I'm not even going to try making a list. Um, Carlos Pacheco. Carlos Pacheco, ironically, was I think he was the first guy that we signed up. He was a superstar and a machine at the time. But I don't know what happened with him. He kind of like went from Marvel to DC and then back to Marvel again and kept bouncing backwards and forwards, which is normal. It, it, it does it does happen. Uh, but I think he's, from what I've seen online, I think it, uh, he's uh, been doing more more stuff for DC than he has for, for Marvel. So yeah. I'm guessing Marvel, Marvel UK was his, his uh, trampoline, basically, you know, his uh, launch pad. And we also had uh, Sal LaRocca. Sal LaRocca is a bit of a funny one. Um, at the time, yeah, Jim Lee was really big. I think yeah, at the time, Jim Lee was working for Image Comics or whatever. I'm not sure if you're familiar with all that movement, but a bunch of artists from Marvel decided to renegade and go and do their own I thing. Hear about some, I, did, I have read about something <laughs> like that, yeah. 
There's a documentary, I think, on Netflix about it. Yeah, I think that's where I've seen it. I've seen a documentary yeah. on there, yeah. Yeah. And watch it again because it's, it's very interesting because it's, it's this old history repeating itself sort of thing. It yeah. happens all the time. It happens in the comic book industry. It happens all the time. You know, you get a bunch of disgruntled artists and they're like, oh, we can do better. We don't need the big guys. You know, let's go do our own thing. And they did. And they made a ton of money. But uh, as usual, with, when, with a lot of money, you know, there are a lot of people banging heads and disagreements. Yeah. And stuff. And I don't know all the details. All I know is what I saw in that documentary anyway. But um, yeah, so Jim Lee, um, this guy, Sal Roca, as he called himself, his real name is Salvador. His style was very much in, in tune with what Jim Lee was doing. Anyway, I, I signed him up and I kind of lost touch with him. And uh, then years later, you know, I was talking to Pascal because Pascal is the only artist apart from Ramon that I still talk to. And he told me basically that Sal was doing um, super realistic stuff. And yeah, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to say too much because I don't, I don't, I don't really get on well with Sal. I've got a couple of bones to pick with him because you know, when he goes, when he goes on to interviews and stuff, he kind of like takes the and yeah. out of me. And, nah, and fair enough. So I don't want to return the favor, but no, suffice, suffice to say that, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's a bit of a, Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, okay. Um, okay, so so from so from working for Marvel, obviously when when we met, it was you were you were creating images for for Comic Cons, for, for Wales Comic Con, for yeah. you did the Buffy piece as well. Yeah. How did you get to that point? How did, how did you get to to kind of doing those and, and creating those because your your Buffy one is is quite it, it, well it's not quite iconic it is an iconic piece it is it was my very first piece just to rewind a bit you know for the last fifteen years um, I've been tattooing and that's been my my main source of income but um, I got a bit burnt out um, about five years ago I started to pick up where I left off you know twenty years ago yeah and wanted to get back into painting again because you know you got more control over your work you do it for yourself you know. And when you finish, you can frame it and put it on the wall. And the thing about tattooing, you can do amazing tattoos, but your artwork walks out the door. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a bit kind of heartbreaking in a way. Okay. So where did I start? Right. So I've, I've been friends with um, Alexis Cruz from, from Stargate for quite a few years now. I don't know, eight years or something like that. I, I, I don't know. We met randomly at a show. My daughter was there and we just started talking and, you know, exchanged numbers and, we ended up becoming really good friends and, and whatnot. And um, he came over to the UK for a while. He was staying at my place. He went off to a show. He was going to a show in Ireland. And he asked me if I could go with him, you know, which I did. Yeah. Um, and the show put us up in, uh, in Dublin. And that's where I met um, uh, Nicholas Brendan, who was actually sitting at the table right next to us. So, you know, we, we started chatting and whatever, talking about tattoos and, and artwork and stuff. Again, you know, we exchanged numbers and, and I think about six months later, um, we started talking about the possibility of, of doing uh, some artwork and doing some prints and signing much shows and whatnot. Yeah. And so I did. We met up for the first time, um, for the second time at Wales Comic Con. And that's where everything kind of snowballed yeah. because we, we, we started sitting down together and, and signing prints for people at the show, and whatever. Um, there were a few other actresses from there, from uh, from Buffy. They were signing them as well. It's the one print that I've done that 
people always want them. But it is amazing. It really is amazing. And and I'll I'll put a picture up on the on the Fenland Youth Radio and Big Gig Life page so people can see that picture because well, it, I appreciate it. it I, it's I appreciate phenomenal. It. It's so 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 good. Um, I, I do I do appreciate it. It's uh I mean I'm very connected to it because it was the the first piece that I that I did as a commission for an actor and yeah. I got to go to shows and sign them and for whatever reason people people love it and as i said you know if i take 30 copies or 50 copies to to a show i don't like i don't like taking too many prints to shows because there's yeah. dead weight going around but i always come back empty-handed they always yeah. sell i think we're on our third edition now already you know 750 that we sold i print them and people buy them so. yeah but i think it's because Buffy has that that sort of place in a lot of people's hearts, especially people my age and people who loved that, you know, grew up in the nineties and loved that sort of stuff. It's it's quite an iconic TV show. So to have Nicholas Brendan and some of the other other cast members to, to sign and to to get it done, it's it is so good. And then fr- from there, you created like a, a special one, didn't you, for Wales Comic Con just after, yes. which you've. You've got hanging in your uh, in your tattoo studio. Yes, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Um, that was that was a fun piece as well because uh, I got everyone at the show, which is for the ten year anniversary, to sign it, and it's got about sixty signatures on it. It's basically priceless, and not because of my artwork, but because of the amount of people that signed it. The amount of people that. <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest wales comic-con has something like 50 or 60 or 70 people that go yeah. they have so many so many guests go from all walks of, uh, of film and tv life and artistry and you know you, you have comic book artists you have regular artists you have got your stall holders you have actors actresses you have people who are background actors you have voice actors you know it's and, and the, the caliber that they have going it's not yeah. It's not like your B list or your Z list. It's your A list people. You know, I mean, that they've got what they've got coming up next year already is crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame they had to cancel their their last two shows because of uh, COVID. They've the, the the people that they've got lined up for next year is just absolutely amazing. But again, you know, it's Jamie. And I, I do consider Jamie a friend, even though, you know, he's, he's very hard to get hold of, but it's not, you know, you can just imagine his phone blowing up, you know, yeah. it's, it's crazy. And uh, I can imagine he's a, he's a, he's very much a man in demand. He's very, he's very, very much, much a man in demand. He very much is. And, and um, he's done a fantastic a, job at Wales, at Wales Comic Con. He did. And he, he, I haven't seen the new setup in Telford. Um, I was supposed to be going and sharing a table with uh, with Corin Nemec, who's another another one of my friends um, from Stargate. But I, I just I just couldn't make it. I couldn't make it that, yeah. that weekend, and it was a shame. But I've heard I've heard it was it was pretty pretty intense. It was massive. I was always concerned that they're going to lose that that small family mentality. And I don't know. It's when when we when I. When I first started going to Wells Comic Con, we all stayed at the same hotel. Probably a few of the bigger names went somewhere else. Yeah. Um, it was a nice bunch, you know, we'd all hang out, we'd all go out for dinner together. It was a nice family sort of environment, you know, and I made a lot of friends there. And you um, and, and you have a lot of famous friends, don't you? You have a lot of people. You could you could name drop so many people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> no, <what? laughs> no, you should. You so should. The, the, I mean, 
the one that, that I've had the, the absolute pleasure of meeting other than Alexis Cruz is Andrew Divoff. And I even said to him when I, when I interviewed him at the Comic-Con that you put on, because yeah. you put your own Comic-Con on in Cambridge last year in 2019. I actually said to him, he was the first man to scare the life out of me. <laughs> Jim in Wishmaster. And he genuinely was the first man to terrify me in a horror film as the Jin in Wishmaster. It was, yeah, it, it's one of the most iconic horror films for me. A lot of people don't really know about it, but I was like, oh, it's, it's, it's amazing. I know that he's a very good friend of yours and he does a lot of promo stuff for you and uh, vice versa as well. He's uh, I'm actually working on, on another piece for him because um, he's, got a, he's got a brewery um, in California, and it's his baby basically. And he always, um, as soon as he comes up with a new, a new brew, he asks me to design the label for him. And everything's hand painted and then you know, photographed and, and whatever. But we we've got a new design coming up. I won't say what it is, what the design is, but it's, it's coming up for Halloween. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be scary. I've said to you, I wish that he could release his ale and his own brews over here because I definitely want to try them. <laughs> It's, imagine, imagine how I feel. Like half the half of these labels that I've designed for him, I haven't even tried the beer yet. It's like, no. and he he brought me ten samples in this portable fridge from the states uh, just for me to, to try them and stuff. And I went through them like I was drinking water. They're absolutely amazing. This isn't just you know some cheap beer. This is like yeah. flavored, and you got that like jalapeno at the back of your throat and like the spiciness mm -hmm. and. When he describes his beer, um, you can it basically it does exactly what it says on the tin. Yeah. If, if he says it tastes like jalapeno tortilla chips, that's exactly what it tastes like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just amazing that's, stuff. So. It's madness. And so let's talk about Cambridge Comic Con because obviously you've attended plenty of Comic Cons before, and yeah. you <clears throat> you decided not on your own, but you decided to put on a Comic Con in in Cambridge. Yeah, here in obviously the east of England in in the UK and um, not too far from from where both of us are really sort of in between where we are. How was how was that? How how what what? Why did you decide to put it on? How how stressful was it? Actually, I know the answer to that question, so you don't need to answer how stressful it was. What <laughs> <laughs> what was the thought process behind behind doing that? Well, first off, there's, I couldn't understand why there wasn't a show in Cambridge. I I I can remember when I used to go. I used to work at the at the Arts Cinema in Cambridge when they did the um, the Arts Film Festival, and uh, it was an amazing experience because you had actors coming along and and you had the chats and the talks and everything, and and the whole the whole town sort of came to life and whatever. I, I kind of missed that. I, I think they still do the, the film festival. I'm not, you'll have to Google it if they still do it. But if they do, it's definitely not the same as it used to be. And I, I just kind of wanted to bring that back to, to Cambridge and, um, and do something there. I knew it was, I knew it was going to be hard. Um, everyone in my team were aware of that, you know. Yeah. But we decided just put our heads down and just push forward and, and just get it done. Even if we lost money, you know, it was just a question of, of getting it done just to, just to say, you know, we did it, you yeah. know, and we did, you know, we had a, we had a fantastic location and we had fantastic people come over from the States. You and, had you know, some for, amazing guests, didn't you? You had some amazing guests. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We did. Not all the guests that we wanted to have originally, but the one thing that a lot of the punters don't understand is um, when you, some of these guys, some of the really big guys, um, and I'm not going to mention any names, 
um, they charge a lot of money. Yeah. A lot. And being a first show, they wanted all of that up front. And there's no guarantee afterwards. It's called a guarantee, obviously. But there's, there's no guarantee for us that, um, you know, we were going to recoup the expenses. So for an established show that's been running for five or six years, you know, or, you know, where else can we go on? They can afford to do that because, you know, they, they've got the reputation, you know, whatever. But we were just a first show. And I think uh, we might have we might have uh, come a cropper right at the beginning where we thought, yeah, no, you know, if you – Kind of like Wayne's World, you know, if you, if you yeah. said it, they'll come. No, 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 they won't. <laughs> it's basically they won't. So, you know, we had a few big names, but for whatever reason, there didn't seem to be that much interest in them. And I don't know, you know, it's, we, we had to make a, a decision. Like, do we throw money in, down the drain and, and take a gamble or do we, do we just, uh, you know, readdress it and say, you know, yeah. we're not, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do these people or whatever. You know, it was, there, there are a lot of, uh, tough decisions you got to make it's it was very stressful it was very very stressful but the ultimate goal was always to keep people happy yeah. keep them distracted we had a beautiful uh vip dinner on the last day with uh all the guests and and uh anyone that basically showed up it's it's not something that i look forward to doing again no. um, in a hurry and thank god we had covid this year so we didn't have to worry about it and i say thank god in a very you know obviously yeah sucks it absolutely sucks but at the same time if we had to deal with a virus and i don't i don't feel i i feel sorry for all these shows that you know i've had to cancel and postpone because of it and for the punters as well because you know it's the it's the one thing to look forward to every year yeah. you know going to a show and you know meeting old friends and and stuff like that i'm i'm gutted I mean, and i'm feeling it as well because i used to go to wales twice a year and it was my my piece of paradise, you know, I hook up with old friends and get my hair down and get drunk and whatever, hear all the Hollywood gossip and whatever. Yeah, I'm missing it, but it's just situation now is just so, so rough. You know, we, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, it's just, no. we just got to try and keep our heads above water and, and stay positive and yeah. it will end. It will end. It will. It it will. will. And things will go back to normal again. But, so, so why don't you, why don't you tell all of our listeners then what it is that you've been doing since uh, since came since Cambridge Comic Con and and obviously during COVID? Talk about I I, I would call it your your, your geek paradise. For me, it, it is a very much a little a nice little piece of geek paradise nestled nicely away in the in the city of Bury St Edmunds. Well, thank God I'm not in Bury St Edmunds. I'm I'm about eight miles away, so I live. Well, I know you are. Yeah, but, you're, but your your tattoo place. My tattoo place, yeah. Well, it was it was a bit of a nightmare because uh, we just uh, we just literally opened when we got shut down again because yeah. of COVID. You know, whited out all the windows, set up security alarms and cameras and stuff because you know the, the <laughs> some places down the road where people were looting and stuff and breaking into yeah. Tesco's Express and whatever I think it was. Uh, I don't know. Don't quote me on that. Yeah, we just, we literally it was just I spent most of that time um, at the farm uh, working on projects uh, and stuff like that. When we finally got back into into the studio, uh, it was a, a case of uh, sink or swim. We invested uh, in um, 3D printers and started printing uh, face shields and masks and stuff like that. With a twist, you know, we've got yeah. some, as you know, we've got some really cool cool designs coming yeah. up for Halloween as well. We got I'm working on the Bane Bane one, and we got got a few others. But yeah, I mean, it, thanks to that. 
because we were selling PPE kit, we were allowed to to reopen yeah. sooner than other other shops. But uh, the tattoo side, I think we've been open a month, maybe. That's when they allowed us to, to open up again. But again, we'll probably get closed down again. You know, it's it's. I like to hope for the best and expect the worst. Yeah, so. absolutely, absolutely. So all I know, all I know is that I'm ready for another lockdown. I got loads of paintings and projects that I want to do, and I still got a giant Millennium Falcon that I need to build. So I got enough to keep me going for at least two years. <laughs> excellent, excellent. I hope it don't last two years because that's I, I can't fathom it being for two years. But you mm. mentioned the farm. That's obviously that's where you live, isn't it? That's what you yeah. that's, that's what you call your <clears> residence, <throat> uh, the farm. And you you've obviously got paintings and you've got a lot of commissions coming up and and everything. It's your tattoos that capture the eye before your paintings because you're always posting stuff on your on your Facebook page and. I've seen you share some stuff on Facebook from like 11 years ago and definitely it's just so phenomenal. It's all, it is like an art painting on, on a body part effectively, I, isn't it? I suppose it is. Yeah, I suppose it is. It, I mean, tattooing, tattooing is my main job. Um, that's without doubt, but I, I specialize in portraits and black and gray and anything geeky. I'm the guy to do it, you know, black and white. Cause I don't do color. That, that is my, my main job, I guess. And all the paintings and posters and stuff that I do, it's literally my hobby, I guess. Yeah. And I, a hobby which, when I retire, I'm hoping will be my job, basically. Yes. Yeah. Just to keep me sane, because I, if I'm not drawing or tattooing or doing something, uh, it's going sane. You know, it's going so if anybody wanted to see some of the drawings that you've done, where would they go to see them? Where could they see them? They would see them at my website, gavinrodriguez.com. And that's Rodriguez with an S, not a Z. Not a Z. Yes, because people could quite easily make that make make that um, that mistake. And your tattoo your tattoo parlor, which I've been to a few times now, and I'm still going to be getting you to put some ink on me when yes. when we get when we can get round to it. Um, a blade on a sleeve, I believe. A blade oh. on a sleeve. <laughs> oh no, no, no! Let, let's not let, let let's not get into Blade Runner. My thoughts around <laughs> Blade Runner right now. We can we can do a whole nother interview just on Blade Runner another day. I think we should. I think we should. Yeah. No, I've got so many bones to pick with you about Blade Runner. So yeah, we'll have a face off. Let's have a Blade Runner face off. We can have a Blade go. Runner face off. Absolutely. I'd, I will happily do that. You can even phone in live as well into, the, into if you want to, and we'll do that live. Your tattoo parlor. Your your your, your tattoo place. Obviously, you've got. Delphine as well, who, who you've trained up to, to do as well. And, and she's fantastic. Just talk about what, what you do in the tattoo. Because it's not just tattoos, is it? You've got other memorabilia in there as well, haven't you? Correct. Correct. So the, the, front, end, the front end of our shop is uh, all uh, collectibles. Um, right now, it's kind of overpowered by Funko Pops, but that's, what's people, yeah. that's what people want. That's what people want. Yeah. We are 3D printing a lot of stuff that you can't buy. You know, we've got some little, little things going on. I said, like masks and, and whatever. So people can come to us, like cosplayers and stuff, to, to commission bits and bobs. We are expanding into the back where the studio is. It's split in half. So we've got like uh, limited edition prints, original artwork, and other other things that we are creating or buying. Uh, as I told you, we're, we're doing a, a life-size uh, alien queen coming out of the wall. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's a big project that I cannot wait to sink my teeth in. Fun and fully intended there. Yeah, the the... I think that the feel that we're going for, uh, the kind of public that we're going for, is basically people interested in tattoos, 
called TV and movies, basically. And we had wanted to come in and, and just want them to basically have eye candy. And so there's, there's, there's a lot of that um, props and stuff. But as I said, we've only been open since, uh, since January and we had all this COVID stuff. So yeah. it's taking a long time, but I was saying to Delphine, my apprentice, that we're going to fill up the space very, very quickly, very quickly. Yes. Yeah, 100% you will. So what is the tattoo place called and what whereabouts is it? Because Ferris and Edmonds is a lovely, lovely place to visit. Lovely yeah. place to visit. It's um, it's Mr. Bulb Tattoos and Collectibles. And if you add a .co.uk on the, on the end of that, that will bring up our website. And it's uh, on 48 St. Andrew Street South in Barry's Nedmonds, right next to the uh, to the city center and right behind uh, Waitrose. So it's, it's it's quite it's quite central. I'd say to anyone just just you know, just come along and have a ganders, you know, have a chat. Um, I'm usually there, and you know, if you just, even if you just want to come over and just geek out, you know, I just love geeking out, as you know. So you've got, <laughs> I do know very much so, and you've got you've got stories that would uh, that would keep people going for weeks if not months on end yes pretty much yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do 100% Gav thanks so much mate I really appreciate it thank you so much for doing this interview for me to go out on the radio show I, I absolutely welcome. amazed you know I, I love just I could talk to you forever and we will end up just going off on random tangents but I, I, I don't have the airtime to allow that <laughs> unfortunately but no I, I really appreciate it man you know I do you know I do um, I really appreciate it thank you for your time you're welcome, you're welcome. You're very, very welcome.